We're going to head out to the phone lines now because our first guest is on the line, and he is Richie Bansells, the now-retired head athletic trainer of the Baltimore Orioles. Richie, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Craig. How you doing? Thanks. I'm, I'm good. i got to ask you, and, and I, I can't imagine that a lot of guys in that locker room were surprised when you made this announcement, uh, but I guess there were some some people that maybe aren't that surprised by it. Yeah, I think it did kind of run the uh, gamut there a little bit. There were there were some who I think saw it coming, um, and just you know they saw some signs and minor discussions and that, and kind of saw it coming. And I, I think there were others that were just as you said, just. I could tell by their reaction, we're just totally uh, surprised. Or you know, it's one of those things. I guess they think they would that wouldn't never happen, but uh, but had to. Well, let me let me go back to the beginning for you. What got you started uh, as a trainer, and how did you determine that that's what you really wanted to do? Well, I mean, it goes way back to college days. Um, as a youngster, I was an athlete, and this is a story actually with for a lot of athletic trainers. I was I was a young athlete and and a, and a baseball player and played a little bit in college. Um, but at the same time, going to school, I had an interest in um, a medical health field of some kind. I didn't know what kind at the time, but I'd always been interested in it. Um, and uh, as my uh, uh, baseball career went downhill, so to speak. Um, <laughs> my medical interest in, in increased and it. And at about that same time, actually the profession of athletic training, uh, as a, uh, you know, a college curriculum and that was kind of exploding. Um, so it was just, it just, I was in the right place at the right time in terms of a natural fit for a profession. Well, we're talking with Richie Bansells who is retiring from the, uh, athletic training field and the Baltimore Orioles after a long, long distinguished career. And, and Richie, I, I got to ask you: When you first, uh, uh, you know, started with the organization, it was in Bluefield, correct? Yeah, Bluefield, West Virginia. And uh, that led to what? A couple of other minor league stops before you got to the big league club. Yeah, I went uh, actually um, right before that in 1977. I actually worked a little bit with the Miami Orioles while I was still in in college and undergrad school. 1978, I went to Bluefield, West Virginia. Uh, for rookie ball, and that was while I was in graduate school uh, at Eastern Kentucky University. And someone had suggested to me to just kind of have that, see if I could get a job like that as kind of a resume builder at the time. So I was in Bluefield from 78 to 79, um, both those years. Really, at the time, did not intend to stay with the Orioles because upon completion of my graduate work, I was interviewing for jobs elsewhere, actually in colleges and universities, and as it turned out, in, in 79, the Orioles asked me if I would stay on. Uh, I went to Rochester for four years and then Baltimore after that. And when you got to Baltimore, uh, you were working, I guess, with Ralph Salvon at the time, right? Yes. Uh, in fact, during the four years um, in Rochester, that kind of started because there weren't really assistant athletic trainers then. The staffs weren't what they are now. And, uh, so 1980 was my first major league camp, um, um, working with the Orioles in Miami and working with Ralph, starting my work with Ralph there. One of the great things I remember about seeing pictures of Ralph and, 
And I only met him a couple of different times because I was very, very early in my career. But you, you would see Palmer and McNally on the training table, uh, you know, and, he, and he's sitting there rubbing their arms down and things of that nature. And can, can you just speak a little bit of how those training rooms have changed down through the years? Oh, my gosh. Oh, jeez. Um, I mean, it was kind of a, an eye-opener for me, you know, coming from a university setting in graduate school where we had, um, at Eastern Kentucky University, you know, we had five athletic training rooms on the campus, and a couple of them were very large. And then to come into professional baseball, and it kind of went the opposite way, and the training rooms were small in those stadiums, um, very tiny, very little room to work, very little room to have equipment. And, and if it makes sense to anyone, the, the, the athletic training room in Memorial Stadium, the entire room where we had two treatment tables um, and just enough counter space for some, some things, um, it was the same size as what my present office was at Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the training room, not only in size, but in, in a tech, you know, from a technology aspect and the types of equipment and stuff that we were able to use there in recent years, as opposed to way back then, it changed so dramatically and so quickly. Uh, in terms of uh, keeping Cal Ripken Jr. on the field, <laughs> 2,632 consecutive games obviously is no small feat. Uh, but, uh, what was your relationship like with Cal and, and knowing that there were times where, you know, he might not have been able to answer the bell. And the one time, uh, you know, when I was working back at WTOP, I was telling our, our producer Bonza about this, that, you know, I did, I did some pieces with you back then on that. And he, he, you, you referenced the fact that, you know, the, 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 the 93, uh, brawl with the Mariners with Bill Hasselman and, him getting mm-hmm. him getting stuck on the bottom of that pile, where had there not been an off day the next day, he may not have continued that streak. Yeah, I mean, well, my relationship with Cal, um, I'm proud to say, extends beyond the field. We ended up being friends, and part of that, I guess, was just, you know, his his first day in 1978 in Bluefield, West Virginia, was my first day, um, um, you know, full time on the job. So, I mean, we just kind of came the whole way together um, and, and through the system and that and just developed a relationship for many other reasons also. I mean, the fact that he was one of those guys that was uh, more so than most other ballplayers really interested in his body and how it worked and how to keep it in condition and shape. And he was always quizzing me with questions about anatomy and physiology and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, very inquisitive, very analytical guy. And we sort of enjoyed you know, going back and forth in that, and it kind of turned into a relationship. Um, yeah, the, um, and, and, and there were a couple of times, you know, um, where it got kind of close. The off day that you're referring to actually took place in 1984 or 5, I believe, and, and that was a sprained ankle that occurred uh, on a pickoff play at second base. And, yes, we, we had an off day in the sense that we played the Naval Academy the next day in an exhibition game, and, but back then, the streak wasn't a factor. Right. Um, but the fight against Seattle, the streak certainly was a factor. Um, and he, you know, during the fight, got him, you know, involved in the pile that started in, in front of 
the pitcher's mound and someone landed on his knee awkwardly and ended up having a sprained uh, medial collateral ligament of his knee, which at the time he was playing shortstop is not a good thing to have because you have to move laterally from side to side. And, uh, I mean, we just, you know, he saw the doctor and MRIs and, you know, the whole thing that you do and treatment and treatment and treatment. And it just, I really had my doubts at the time that he was going to be able to play the position. Um, but, uh, you know, right as we got close to game time and the bell rang, he said, well, let's just deal with it and we'll treat it afterwards and see what happens. And if I can recall correctly, we got lucky because I think there was only one ball hit at him at the game and it was hit right at him mm-hmm. where he didn't have to move too much. So we got a little lucky that time. When when you're talking about a guy like him, Richie, and, and you have to treat him, how much of what he was able to accomplish was as much mental as it was physical for him? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, uh, you know, one thing you do is you pick your parents wisely, you know, genetically. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that's the first thing you want to do is have the good genes. Um, there's a, a few other factors, I think, Athletes who are highly skilled at the position they play um, are able to avoid injury that sometimes lesser skilled athletes don't avoid. They, they don't put themselves in positions to be hurt. Um, and certainly the mental aspect of it comes into play, especially with him. He, you know, that the, he just had the feeling that that was part of his, and I think it comes from his dad, and I know for certain it comes from his dad, but his work ethic was just such that if he was a baseball player and he came to the ballpark, the idea was he was supposed to play that night. Right. Um, and nothing less, you know, it wasn't like, eh, I think I'll come to the ballpark, take a few nights off and stuff. And then, you know, play when I feel a hundred percent ready to play. He, he just, it's, and he kind of equated it actually at times to what I do and to what other people did who worked in their workplaces that, when you go to work, get up in the morning and go to work, you work. Right. Um, and that was just his mental aspect of it, you know. His, uh, that's just the way he approached it. We're talking with Richie Bansells, who uh, has been the head athletic trainer for the Baltimore Orioles and is now retiring. Uh, he decided to uh, take that path in life after this last season. And uh, I, I got to ask you, what was your conversation like with Buck Showalter when – you, you you went to him and told him what you, what your plans were. Well, I, um, the first thing Buck asked me, he said, are you sure? Um, and I said, yes, I am. Uh, and I was. And I, I suspect that um, although we talked for a long while after that about it and, and, and what the future might hold and, and stuff, I, I think Buck kind of knew it was coming. Um, but at the same time, he might have been hoping it wasn't coming, um, <laughs> is how the conversation. But it, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, Buck and I have had a good relationship. And um, uh, I think he, when he realized that my mind was made up and it was final, he kind of just wished me well. Well, I know, I know you uh, have worked with some very, very good people. Brian Ebel, certainly currently, who works under you, but also you worked with Jamie Reed, who left uh, the Orioles and, and went down to become the head athletic trainer down there with the Texas Rangers. Uh, so, I mean, th- th- there have been some good people pass through that place. 
Yeah, I mean, somebody really wise told me a long time ago, you know, if you want to be successful, to surround yourself with really good people. Um, good people as as people themselves, but also professionally how good they are. And I've been lucky to to, to do that. And, and we've had many others that have moved on um, from our system through the ranks. It's, it's sort of a... Uh, it's a source of pride for me, actually, um, to have people like Jamie have moved on. Uh, Brian's a fantastic athletic trainer, so everything with the ball club is going to be in, in great hands. Um, there are others that have been in, in our minor league system, like you know, and, and come through as coordinators. You know, PJ Mainville with the um, Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. uh, the head athletic trainer with the Cubs, came through our system. Um, Joe Bench. Um, who is at the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, came to our system. So we've been fortunate to, to have good people come through. Richie, let me ask you this. In, in all of your years of doing this, what are you the most proud of? You know, I, I kind of had a little bit of time now to, to look back and reflect on that a little bit. Um, and, you know, being an athletic trainer, you, you have to be a people person, you know, it's about relationships and trust and confidence. And, um, I've always, you know, I heard this somewhere else too, and I've kind of stolen it. And it's, I've always said that there's something magical that kind of happens when you put a bandaid on a guy, you know, he sort of trusts you for with everything, um, <laughs> the, the rest of the road. Uh, and I think it's the relationships that I'm most proud of. Um, especially when it comes to guys who I had, um, and this is obviously if you stay in it long enough happened recently, guys that I had years ago who continue to call me and, and ask me for advice, you know, when they're of the age or where they're starting to get things like knee replacements and hip replacements, or they have children playing in sports and ask me about this and that and the other. And I think that's what I, the, the relationships and bonds that have been formed are what I'm most proud of, that they can they still feel a trust in me in that way. Last few minutes with Richie Bansells. And, and, and Richie, now you, you've got another aspect of life coming uh, your way, and that's a, a, a very positive one. I mean, I've known Carol, your wife, for a long, long time, your, your two kids. Uh, i I got to ask you, what are you going to enjoy most about retirement? Um, I, I think it's just, you know, this profession we're in, um, and, and the way it's evolved over the years is such a 24 seven year round, um, thing. Um, and I, I, I spoke obviously and sought the confidence of many of my contemporaries who have recently retired and done this. And, and they said, you just can't believe what it's like to be able to do the things that you've been wanting to do for 40 years. And now you can do them. And, and, you know, you'll have to ask Carol in about a year. She's still okay with me being retired and being around more. <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Um, I got to tell you, though, I'm, I'm at home sometimes, and if I'm home for more than two or three days in a row, my wife looks at me and says, don't you have something to cover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's why I say we'll have to find out in, the, in about a year how it goes. But I think we're just going to enjoy our time, you know, together and travel to some places that we wanted to travel together um, where there's not a ballpark involved um, and spend time with the kids and the grandkids that I have now, you know, um, 
I, an interesting conversation was with one of my uh, granddaughters, and she's uh, five. And um, after I told all the kids that I was retiring, I didn't think she got it exactly because for days afterwards, she kept asking me, she said, Grandpa, do you still feel tired? And uh, <laughs> we had to explain to her what retirement was. So, um, But, I, you know, I just want to spend time with, with them and slow down a little bit. And um, I still am an active athletic trainer. So I still professionally, from that standpoint, plan to do some things. I've, I've got some little opportunities out there, things that I can do and continue in the profession. It's just a matter of not being able to do them at the speed I was doing them uh, at the major league level 24-7 and traveling. You you said about the difference in training rooms back you know, when you first got here as opposed to now. Uh, but in terms of the athlete in general – it it's become really a 24/7 year round thing as far as keeping yourself in shape. I mean, there really is no off season anymore. No, you know, when I first came into it, you know, in the spring trainings down in Miami, Florida, and that, you know, spring training was to get in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do that now. If you come to camp now looking to get in shape, you're going to be so far behind. Um, and that was kind of part of those original discussions that, that Cal Ripken and I had, you know, kind of figuring it out that it's easier to stay in shape year round than getting in and out of shape every year. And, and that also sets you up for the potential injury. Whereas taking care of your body year round and staying in good condition, you can kind of avoid those injuries. Yeah. And it's really amazing too, because uh, you think about Guys, and we just, you know, obviously covering the Orioles and the Nationals like I do, you talk to guys and they say, well, I'm going to take maybe two or three weeks and just kind of, you know, chill out a little bit and then get right back at it. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah, and I actually encourage them sometimes to, to, you know, take a little bit. There's what we call now active rest, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um I think I encourage them after a season to take maybe even a little bit more time to rest their body. You know, I think rest is also a component of fitness. So there is a way to let your body rest a little bit and mentally and emotionally rest, get away from it. Um, but at the same time, not get yourself totally out of condition. So, um, you know, that's what those guys are speaking to it when they, when they say that. Well, Richie Bansells, we have enjoyed uh, our time together, or I certainly have, uh, down through the years with the Orioles and, and seeing you in that clubhouse. And it's going to be uh, a little different not having that opportunity anymore, but congratulations on your decision. And uh, I know there's nothing but good things ahead for you. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. And I, I too, have enjoyed every minute of the ride. All so, right. Uh, and I'm sure we'll see each other. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us on the bat around today. Sure thing, man. Take All care. right. Richie Bansells, and that's a heck of a career right there.